Welcome to BP's fourth quarter and full year 2018 results and strategy update. I'm Craig Marshall, BP's Head of Investor Relations, and I'm here today with our Chief Executive, Bob Dudley, and Chief Financial Officer, Brian Galvari. We are also joined by Upstream Chief Executive, Bernard Looney, and Downstream Chief Executive, Tufan Ergen-Bilgik. Before we begin, I'll draw your attention to our cautionary statement. During today's presentation, we will make forward-looking statements that refer to our estimates, plans and expectations. Actual results and outcomes could differ materially due to factors we note on this slide and in our UK and SEC filings. Please refer to our annual report, stock exchange announcement and SEC filings for more details. These documents are available on our website. Now over to Bob. Thank you, Craig, and welcome to everyone joining us today. Six months ago, we opened our second quarter remarks by commenting on how busy the first half of 2018 had been, and the second half was no different. We're now two years into our five-year plan and are making strong and steady progress, despite the continuing volatility in the energy market. First, to the agenda today. I'll begin the presentation with a review of the strategic highlights from 2018, reflecting on some of the key themes we have seen in the broader energy markets and demonstrate how our strategy is consistent with advancing the energy transition. Brian will then take you through the detail of the fourth quarter and full year results and provide you with guidance on the outlook for 2019 and our financial frame. Bernard and Tufan will then have an opportunity to update you on their businesses. Lamar cannot be with us today as he is flying to meet shareholders, so I will provide an update on our low-carbon strategy that he shared with you last year. We'll then be ready to take your questions. Now, to highlights from the year. The continuing business momentum has underpinned another strong set of operational and financial results. This is a testament to the resilience of our strategy and supports our commitment to growing free cash flow and distributions to shareholders. We reported underlying replacement cost profit of $12.7 billion for the full year, more than double that of a year ago. Our underlying operating cash flow increased to $26.1 billion. This is up 33% on 2017 after adjusting for a working capital build, reflecting real growth from across our businesses. Organic capital expenditure was in line with guidance at $15.1 billion demonstrating our continued focus on cost and capital discipline. And return on average capital employed was 11.2%, almost double that of 2017. In the upstream, we remain on track to deliver 900,000 barrels per day of new major project production by 2021, supported by the startup of a further six major projects during 2018. We also completed the transaction to acquire BHP's lower 48 assets, creating a significant position in the region that is already contributing to production, earnings, and cash flow growth. And with the sanctioning of a further nine projects in 2018, our organic reserves replacement ratio was just over 100% for the year. On an organic plus inorganic basis, it was 209%. In the downstream, we delivered our best underlying pre-tax earnings on record of $7.6 billion. This was underpinned by the continued growth of our fuels marketing business in new and established markets with 17% year-on-year earnings growth. Across our manufacturing business, we continue to see strong performance with record refining throughput in the year. 
We also made a series of announcements of interest that support our advanced mobility agenda, notably our purchase of Chargemaster, the UK's largest electric vehicle charging company. In Russia, our 19.75% shareholding in Rostev provides us a strong position in one of the largest and lowest-cost hydrocarbon resource basins in the world, with access to major markets both east and west. In 2018, BP's share of production from Rosneft was around 1.1 million barrels per day, and we also received $620 million in dividends, and these are after tax. In addition to our equity position, we also have established technical cooperation arrangements and are building a material business that is generating incremental value through standalone joint ventures, both in Russia and elsewhere. Bernard will touch on these projects later. Turning to our renewables and low-carbon businesses, in alternative energy, the partnership with LightSource BP goes from strength to strength, having doubled its footprint around the world since we first combined. In conjunction with our existing biofuels and wind businesses, we firmly believe that this kind of strategic partnership will drive further growth in our alternative energy portfolio. We have also been in progress on the broader energy transition agenda. We are addressing the dual challenge and setting ambitious targets to reduce our emissions, continuing to improve our products, and creating new low-carbon businesses and markets. I'll talk more about this in the announcement last week of the BP Board's support for a proposed climate reporting resolution later. I want to update you on the safe, reliable, and efficient execution across our businesses. It's a story of real progress. However, we remain focused on moving that agenda forward. Safety remains our number one priority and a core value. As you'll see from the slide, there was a reduction in the number of process safety events in 2018. This is an important indicator of how we are working to keep our people out of harm's way and our plants running safely. Our aim remains the same, to have no accidents, no harm to people, and no damage to the environment. There's always more we can do to drive improving results today and in the future. As you have heard me say before, safety is good business. This commitment to safety also leads to improving reliability of our underlying businesses, which in turn leads to improved cash flows, thus business performance. In this regard, we have seen a consistent improvement in our upstream plant reliability, a record 96% in 2018, and in the downstream, our refining availability remains strong at 95%. Turning then to the macro environment, we continue to see a number of factors contributing to an increase in volatility in the energy markets. Over the course of 2018, OECD stocks moved back in line with five-year average levels. During the second half of the year, inventories began rising, driven by a combination of increasing OPEC production levels, record U.S. supply growth, and the decision by the U.S. government to grant waivers to buyers of Iranian oil. Together, these saw the Brent oil price fall from a four-year high in October of $86 per barrel to around $50 by the end of the year. Looking to 2019, the Brent oil price has improved to around $63 as OPEC Plus have started to implement their decision to reduce production for the first half of 2019. On supply, U.S. tight oil is expected to continue to grow strongly especially in the second half of the year as new pipeline infrastructure is introduced. On demand, we expect growth to remain above average, supported by continuing gains in China and India. 
The outlook for oil is expected to remain volatile, with many uncertainties, including how markets respond to evolving sentiment around ongoing trade discussions, and Venezuela is an obvious concern. Turning briefly to gas markets, the Henry Hub gas price moved significantly in the fourth quarter, increasing to $3.70 per MMBTU, with storage levels well below historical averages. Year-to-date, prices have returned to recent average levels of around $3 due to milder weather. Relatively low levels of storage mean that prices are likely to remain sensitive to weather conditions over the next few months. So, as investors and the wider society are faced with the challenges of near-term price volatility, so too are we focusing our collective attention on the dual challenge facing the global energy system. That's meeting society's demand for more energy, while at the same time working to reduce carbon emissions to help the world tackle the threat of climate change. First, we estimate that the world is likely to need around 30% more energy by 2040 to continue to grow. The majority of this additional demand comes from a growing prosperity in Asia, with around 2.5 billion people set to be lifted from low to middle incomes over the next 20 years. Second, carbon emissions need to fall rapidly to be on a path consistent with meeting the Paris climate goals. There are a range of paths, but even our even faster transition scenario, which I'll mention shortly, sees emission reductions in the order of 50% or so by 2040. We all have a role to play in reducing emissions, governments, consumers, as well as businesses like BP. Yet on current trends, emissions are likely to continue to edge upwards in the nearer term. As a global energy business, we are very committed to playing our part in a lower carbon future. We have introduced a clear framework that will shape our approach and hold us accountable through clear targets. We call it RIC, or R-I-C, and more on that shortly. Let me then spend a moment looking at how BP is thinking about the two parts of the dual energy challenge. Turning to the first part, that of a growing demand for energy. A year ago, Spencer Dale, our chief economist, laid out some scenarios within our energy outlook as to how the energy transition might evolve, and he and his team will release this year's energy outlook in just over a week. I want to refer to a couple of scenarios from last year's energy outlook that help inform us about the future and position BP to be flexible to a range of outcomes. First, an evolving transition scenario, which sees recent changes in global government policies, technological developments, and social preferences continuing at a pace consistent with recent history. By 2040, energy demand increases by a third, with oil demand growing from around 100 million barrels per day today to 110 million barrels per day by 2040. But carbon emissions increased by 10%, far higher than the rapid decline thought necessary to be consistent with the Paris climate goals. Second, an even faster transition scenario, which sets a trajectory consistent with meeting Paris climate goals. Carbon emissions fall by nearly 50% by 2040, while energy demand grows by over 20%. Gas demand is broadly unchanged in 2040 versus today, while oil demand falls to around 80 million barrels per day. Third, a scenario we have called supply with no investment, which assumes new investment in oil is stopped and existing oil production declines at a conservative rate of 3%, such that oil falls to around 45 million barrels per day. 
So what does all of this mean for BP and our industry? The world will need all forms of energy to meet demand in any scenario. Renewables will grow significantly at a faster pace than any other form of energy in history. However, oil and gas in particular still have a significant role to play in the dual energy challenge. Successful companies will be those who have the greatest flexibility adapting to the prevailing price environment to produce the energy required in the form demanded. For oil in particular, under a scenario that is broadly consistent with the Paris goals, significant investment is required, many trillions of dollars to bridge the gap between available levels of supply in the no investment case and the likely levels of oil demand in 2040, even in scenarios designed to be consistent with meeting the Paris goals. We believe we are well placed to compete. Our focus on advantage oil and gas is driving down our break even so that our barrels are increasingly competitive. To enable this, we're investing our capital with discipline, improving the efficiency of our spending through standardization, driving deflation, and implementing technology, leading to improving returns. We believe we can also compete through a strategy of maintaining balance and diversification across our portfolio, be it oil or gas, growing our low-carbon and renewables portfolio, or investing in different geographies, markets, or pricing regimes. In summary, it's about progressing our strategy, but doing so in a way that keeps us flexible and adaptable to the pace of change and to the changing environment. The second part of the dual challenge relates to the need to reduce emissions. We have embedded our approach to lower carbon and reducing emissions within our Advancing the Energy Transition Report, which we launched in April last year. This clearly articulates our commitment to advance a low-carbon future through what we call our Reduce, Improve, Create, or RIC framework. Reduce the emissions in our operations, improve our products to help our customers reduce their own emissions from the products they buy and use, and create low-carbon businesses building on our existing alternative energy business. Within this, we also set out clear targets for the first time for reducing emissions in our operations. So even as our business grows to meet growing demand for energy, our net carbon emissions will not. Almost a year later, I'm pleased to say that we have made significant progress across our business in support of the targets we laid out. Just a few examples include significantly reducing flaring at our offshore plant in Angola, using waste heat for power at our Whiting refinery in the U.S., and testing technologies to quantify methane emissions in Azerbaijan and the U.S., as well as setting out a framework for what we can do across our business operations. We also take action outside the organization, contributing to international initiatives like the OGCI, the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative. We plan to publish an update on all of this in our sustainability report in April. Before I hand over to Brian, let me briefly summarize. As I mentioned at the start, it's been a busy year, but we've created a strong track record of executing against our strategy. This strategy was laid out two years ago and is based on four clear priorities. Together, these embrace the energy transition and shape how we continue to create shareholder value in this rapidly changing world. These four priorities are, first, growing supplies of clean gas and low-cost, high-margin advantaged oil. Second, market-led growth in the downstream for our technologically advanced fuels, lubricants, 
and petrochemicals, and a growing range of bioproducts, electric vehicle charging, and industry-leading carbon-neutral offers. Third, venturing and low carbon across multiple fronts, including testing new, emerging, and potentially disruptive technologies and business models. And fourth, continuous modernizations of our plants, processes, portfolios, and ways of working. The strategy allows us to flex and evolve with a changing environment while staying committed to our proposition of growing shareholder value. On that note, let me now hand it over to Brian. Thanks, Bob. Looking at the environment in the fourth quarter, Brent crude averaged $69 per barrel compared with $75 per barrel in the third quarter, reflecting the significant fall in oil prices following the peak at the start of October. Stronger demand along with low storage levels saw US Henry Hub gas prices increase, averaging $3.70 per million British thermal units versus $2.90 in the third quarter. BP's global refining marker margin averaged $11 per barrel, compared with $14.70 per barrel in the third quarter, driven by ongoing product oversupply. Moving to our results. For the year, we saw significant growth in earnings, cash and returns. This was driven by a combination of higher oil prices, continuing strong reliability and availability across the businesses and growing throughput and production. This in turn provided us with the flexibility to manage our financial framework through a volatile price environment, while also providing the capacity to complete the $10.3 billion transaction to acquire BHP's lower 48 assets. Underlying replacement cost profit for the year was $12.7 billion, compared to $6.2 billion in 2017. For the fourth quarter, underlying replacement cost profit was $3.5 billion, compared to $2.1 billion a year ago and $3.8 billion in the third quarter of 2018. Compared to the third quarter, the fourth quarter result was impacted by lower upstream liquids realisations, significantly higher turnaround activity in the downstream, and a lower contribution from Rosneft. This was partly offset by strong capture of the available heavy crude discount by our US refining system, a strong fuels marketing contribution, and higher upstream production, including the addition of the BHP lower 48 assets. Compared to a year ago, the result benefits from higher upstream realisations and production, strong fuels marketing growth in the downstream, a higher supply and trading contribution, and an increased contribution from Rosneft. This was partly offset by a higher effective tax rate. The fourth quarter also had a $1.2 billion non-operating charge, which includes environmental and other legal provisions, as well as around $440 million for restructuring. This is primarily non-cash. This is the final restructuring charge relating to the programme that started in 2014, which has seen significant restructuring and rationalisation activity across the group. The total charge since this was initiated is $3.3 billion. And finally, the fourth quarter dividend payable in the first quarter remains unchanged at 10.25 cents per ordinary share. Turning to cash flow and our sources and uses of cash. Excluding all spill-related outgoings, underlying operating cash flow was $26.1 billion for the year, 
of which $7.1 billion was generated in the fourth quarter. This included a working capital build of $2.6 billion for the year, of which $1.5 billion was in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter build was primarily driven by price and timing effects, including German mineral ore tax payments. Organic capital expenditure was $4.4 billion in the fourth quarter and $15.1 billion for the year. After adjusting for the working capital build, our 2018 organic free cash flow surplus was $6.5 billion, equivalent to an organic cash break-even of around $50 per barrel on a full dividend basis. Turning to inorganic cash flows, full-year 2018 divestment and other proceeds totaled $3.5 billion, and we made post-tax Gulf of Mexico payments of $3.2 billion. Inorganic capital expenditure was $9.9 billion for the full year, including payments in respect of the BHP acquisition of $6.7 billion. Gearing at the end of the year was 30%. We remained active in our share buyback programme and bought back 50 million ordinary shares in 2018 at a cost of $355 million. Now, turning to guidance and our outlook for the first quarter of 2019. In the upstream, we expect reported production to be flat versus the fourth quarter. This reflects the volume impact in high-margin regions from asset divestments, including Magnus and Bruce in the North Sea and Kuparik in Alaska, as well as turnaround and maintenance activities at Thunder Horse in the Gulf of Mexico. We expect the volume impact to be offset by major project startups and a full quarter benefit of the BHP Low 48 assets. In the downstream, we expect industry refining margins to be significantly lower, with global product oversupply, particularly for gasoline, as well as narrower North American heavy crude differentials. Looking at our guidance for the full year, we expect upstream underlying production to be higher than 2018, with continued growth from major project startups. Actual reported production will depend on divestments, OPEC quotas, entitlement impacts, and other factors, including the pace of integration of the BHP assets. Organic capital expenditure is expected to remain in the range of 15 to 17 billion dollars. The total DDNA charge is expected to be around the same level as 2018. We expect to continue our share buyback program and to fully offset the impact of script dilution since the third quarter of 2017 by the end of this year. Gulf of Mexico oil spill payments are expected to step down to around $2 billion in 2019 in line with the historical settlements. These payments, along with the final cash instalments relating to the BHP transaction, will be weighted towards the first half of the year. With divestment proceeds weighted to the second half of the year and assuming current oil prices, gearing is expected to remain around the top end of the 20-30% to 30 range through the middle of the year. In other business and corporate, the average underlying quarterly charge is expected to be around $350 million dollars although this may fluctuate between individual quarters. The underlying effective tax rate is expected to be around 40%. 
As usual, we will provide updated rules of thumb for 2019 on price movement impacts for the year and expect to publish these on our website by the end of this month. Finally, with the implementation of the new IFRS 16 standard on leases, we will be including additional disclosures in our annual report and accounts for 2018 to be published later this year. We also expect to revisit our guidance detailing any associated impacts from IFRS 16 at the time of our first quarter results. To summarise, we continue to maintain a disciplined financial framework and are on track to deliver the 2021 targets we laid out two years ago. Organic capital expenditure is expected to remain in the range of $15 to $17 billion per year. Over the next two years, we plan to complete more than $10 billion in investments. Our commitment to fully fund the BHP transaction within the financial framework using available cash remains unchanged. Through the end of January, we have paid the initial consideration and three deferred instalments totaling $7.7 billion, with the remainder to be paid through April. With the continuing high grading of our portfolio, alongside strong financial results, we also saw return on average capital employed improve from 5.8% in 2017 to 11.2% in 2018. We remain confident in our guidance on returns of greater than 10% by 2021 at $55 per barrel. In addition, our balance sheet and cash cover metrics remain strong. At current oil prices and in line with growing free cash flow and the receipt of investment proceeds, we expect gearing to move towards the middle of our targeted range of 20 to 30% through 2020. We maintain our progressive dividend policy and the commitment to the share buyback program and expect to fully offset dilution from the script dividend since the third quarter of 2017 by the end of this year. Taken together, all of this supports our commitment to growing sustainable free cash flow and distributions to shareholders over the longer term. On that note, let me now hand over to Bernard. Thanks, Brian, and good morning, ladies and gentlemen. In December, we hosted many of you at an event in Oman, where I shared a detailed update on our progress and plans for the upstream. Today, I will summarise the key messages from this event, provide an update on 2018 delivery, and provide some context on future plans. In Oman, we shared the following key messages. First, our continued strong track record of delivery, doing what we said we would, and doing so competitively and safely. Second, we are on plan to deliver the 2021 cash flow growth target. Third, we have improved both our capacity to grow and the quality of that growth. We have the capability within our current resource base to grow pre-tax free cash by 40 to 50 percent from 2021 to 2025 under the current capital frame and with increasing returns. Fourth and finally, we are transforming our business. Our teams want it. The next generation will demand it. Our shareholders deserve it. And it is now hitting the bottom line. We have momentum and we see enormous opportunity. I'll touch briefly on some of these themes after we take a closer look at 2018 performance. First, we grew reported production 3% versus 2017, ahead of our plan with underlying growth of 8%. We had record plant reliability of 96%. 
and our average base decline over five years was 2.5%, better than guidance. Second, we said we would maintain discipline and invest between 12 and $13 billion of organic capital per annum. In 2018, we invested $12 billion of organic capital, underpinned by continued gains in execution performance, great delivery from the team, and thereby creating the space for the BHP transaction. As an example, 70% of our offshore wells are now top quartile, up from 25% just five years ago. A lot of waste remains, but we will continue to drive the efficiency of spend through our transformation program to make more capital available for the group. Third, we delivered six major project startups, which on average were delivered under budget and on schedule. We also made nine final investment decisions. Fourth, all this helped us generate $16.5 billion of pre-tax free cash flow. This is significantly higher than 2017, even after adjusting for higher oil prices. Fifth, we strengthened our portfolio, notably through the acquisition of BHP's U.S. onshore assets, which added 4.6 billion barrels to our resource base. And finally, as Bob mentioned earlier, we are making good progress in the upstream on reducing emissions and have completed more than 50 projects to deliver sustainable emissions reductions. A few examples include reducing flaring in Angola Block 18, electrification of compressors in Alaska, and methane reduction in BPX Energy. This is good progress, but we have more to do. Moving to our projects, we remain on track to add 900,000 barrels a day of oil equivalent from our new projects in 2021. 20 of these projects have been delivered, including the startup in January of the Anadarko-operated Constellation project in the Gulf of Mexico, and we have 15 to go. With the recent sanction of Atlantis Phase 3 in the Gulf of Mexico and Cassia Compression in Trinidad, all of the projects needed to deliver this plan have passed through the final investment decision gate. We expect to deliver this plan with around $15 billion, or 25% less capital than we envisaged when we first set out our plans. As well as 35% higher cash margins, these projects are expected to have at least 20% lower development costs than the base business had in 2015. This is advantaged oil and gas. Next, to an update on BPX Energy. As we said in December at our event in Oman, the valuation looks just as good today as it did when we originally showed it in July, and likely better. In our newly acquired BHP acreage, we're up and running. Our first two BP-operated rigs are now operating in the Eagleford, and we spot our first two wells in early January. By the end of 1Q, we expect to assume full control of field operations. As we spend more time with these assets, we are confident of delivering the synergies. We continue to see material upside potential through capital efficiency, and over time we plan to exploit additional resource potential from zones that were not in our base case. You will increasingly see this performance show up through the separate BPX Energy disclosures and we will look to update the market on progress through the year. Our 2018 delivery, progression of major projects, and our enhanced position in the lower 48 hopefully demonstrates why we are increasingly confident in our guidance. 
Our plans for 2019 will continue to keep us on track for delivery in 2021 with another year of disciplined growth. We expect underlying production to be higher than 2018 as we continue to ramp up major projects. Reported production will be relatively flat as we go through our significant divestment programme. We expect our organic capital expenditure to be between 13 and $14 billion as we continue to focus on capital discipline and productivity. We expect to start up around five major projects and take a number of final investment decisions on projects in the Gulf of Mexico, in the North Sea, AGT and India, underpinning growth to 2021 and beyond. This underpins our confidence in the progress we are making to deliver $14 to $15 billion in pre-tax free cash flow by 2021. I now want to turn to the longer term. While maintaining our focus on delivery to 2021, we believe we can continue to grow through the next decade while remaining focused on value and quality. The Foundation is a high-quality resource base. We have around 50 billion barrels of discovered resource. Around 25 billion barrels of discovered resources, proved and non-proved, is in our forward plan. Out of that total resource, around 50% is already booked as proved. Another circa 30%, around 8 billion barrels, is expected to come from base management, new wells in our conventional reservoirs, and our BPX energy acreage. These opportunities leverage existing infrastructure and are very capital efficient, they're flexible and have quick paybacks. The final circa 20% is from major projects, those that have been sanctioned or have yet to be sanctioned and have or are expected to meet our hurdle rates. To conclude, we don't need more resource to grow in the medium term and will continue to look for opportunities to high grade. Now I will describe the next wave of around 20 potential major projects that may reach final investment decision over the next few years, and they're shown on the map. There are several opportunities around our existing hub in the Gulf of Mexico, and we see similar opportunities in our other high-margin oil regions of the North Sea, Angola and Azerbaijan. We continue to strengthen this hopper, for example at Thunderhorse in the Gulf of Mexico, where we recently unlocked an additional 1 billion barrels of oil in place, gross. In Mauritania and Senegal, where we recently sanctioned the Greater Tortu Akmahim development, we have the potential to create a major new LNG hub. This is the first major gas project to reach final investment decision in the basin and was sanctioned at a fast pace, around three and a half years from discovery. In Trinidad and Australia, we are focused on keeping the existing LNG infrastructure full, as demonstrated by the sanction of Matapal, formerly known as Savannah, in December. Finally, as Bob mentioned, we continue to progress our joint ventures with Rosneft. TAS, one of our 2018 major project startups, is producing and already returning cash to BP. In December, we closed on our acquisition of a 49% stake in Karampur, and are developing an existing oil field and significant future gas production in West Siberia. And our Yermak Exploration Joint Venture in Western Siberia, where we also hold 49%, completed an extensive seismic program in 2018 and drilled an exploration well. With all of this, we have increased confidence in continuing to grow beyond 2021, 
we believe we have the capacity to increase pre-tax free cash flow by a further 40 to 50 percent by 2025 at constant capital. This is not a promise or a target, but a scenario which demonstrates the depth and quality of our portfolio. Finally, let me touch on our transformation agenda, which is really starting to bite. We think of it through the lenses of digital, agility and mindset. We now have around 1,000 projects across the upstream aimed at sustainably improving both performance and how it feels to work in the upstream. Some are still in the idea phase, but the majority are in action, with a growing number already executed. We spoke about these four examples in Oman, which demonstrate the enormous potential that we see in this area. To accelerate digital further, we have now created a new digital function which stands alongside our operating functions. Digital is going to be as important a capability in our industry as knowing how to drill a well. I'm keen that we move faster. This new function, and hence increased focus, will help. Agility is a potential game changer. Last year, this went viral with over 3,000 staff trained on agile ways of working, not because they were forced, but because the organization is energized about how this can transform the business. Finally, mindset shift remains a must-do. Last year, we made our largest investment in leadership training in a decade. 3,000 upstream leaders trained in mindsets and ways of leading. 2,000 additional staff engaged in mindset-focused events. And more to come in 2019. In summary, 2018 has been a good year for the upstream, where we increased confidence in 2021 delivery and underpinned our ability to continue growth well into the next decade. But we're not stopping there. We will continue to maintain a relentless focus on safety, pushing to improve the underlying efficiency of our business, and are building momentum in transforming how we work. Thank you for listening, and let me now hand over to Tufan. Thank you, Bernard. Good morning. Today I will provide you with an update of progress against our strategy. To begin, let me briefly touch on the key global trends that are shaping our downstream industry. Driven by rising prosperity, global demand for fuels, lubricants and petrochemicals products is expected to continue to grow. The majority of this growth will come from developing economies. Demand is also projected to significantly grow across convenience retail markets. As the energy transition evolves, products and services will need to be delivered in new and better ways, creating increased demand and material gross margin pools in the areas of advanced mobility bio- and low-carbon products, as well as the circular economy. Digital transformation will also continue to rapidly progress. With these trends in mind, our downstream strategy was developed to deliver underlying earnings growth and build competitively advantaged businesses. It is fit for now and fit for the future. It focuses on the five key priorities of safety, profitable marketing growth, 
Advantage Manufacturing, Efficiency, Low Carbon and Digital. We are making strong progress and are on track to deliver our targets. Let me now take you through 2018 delivery in more detail. Firstly, our 2018 earnings of $7.6 billion are a record and some 70% higher than 2014, despite 2018 having one of the highest levels of turnaround activity in our history. If you look at the chart on the left, you can see this performance reflects $4 billion of underlying earnings growth since 2014, with $1 billion delivered in the last two years. A strong delivery, particularly in a challenging 2018 environment, where oil market opportunities negatively impacted our supply and trading business, resulting in a lower contribution, which we do expect to come back. And in lubricants, increasing base oil prices had an adverse lag impact. Drivers of growth have been across marketing and manufacturing. If you look at the chart on the right, you can see that in the last two years, they have delivered $1.4 billion of growth, 0.5 billion of which was in 2018, putting us firmly on track to deliver our 3 billion target. We are also making progress on free cash flow growth, improving earnings quality and our competitiveness while delivering attractive pre-tax returns. As you can see from the chart on the left, we have grown EBITDA at double-digit rates since 2016. It now stands at $9.6 billion, reflecting $2 billion of growth in the last two years. As planned to support the sustainability of this growth, we have increased our capital investment in high-returning projects with attractive cash profiles. As a result, free cash flow in 2018 grew to nearly $7 billion, on track to deliver our 9 to $10 billion target in 2021. This performance improvement further strengthens the quality of our earnings. As you can see, we reduced the BP refining marker margin to deliver 15% returns to $8.6 per barrel, almost at our 2021 target. And pre-tax returns of 21% in 2018 are best on record means we have achieved our 2021 target of around 20% three years ahead of schedule. This delivery further enhances our competitiveness and provides us with an excellent platform for continued growth. Indeed, this strong delivery means that we now lead the competition in net income per barrel of refining capacity. A key measure of overall competitive performance, which adjusts 
for business scale. We have come from the bottom of the peer group in 2014 to the very top. In addition, on the right, you can see that this competitive advantage and earnings quality has allowed us to grow net income differentially to the competition year on year. Now let me share progress across marketing and manufacturing. Our marketing businesses are material and differentiated. In 2018, earnings grew to $4.1 billion. As you can see on the chart, a growth of around 50% over four years, and pre-tax returns remain in excess of 30%. In fuse marketing, earnings in 2018 grew by 17% to $2.8 billion, reflecting 0.5 billion of underlying earnings growth in the year. In retail, we continue to strengthen our offer. Our convenience partnership model continues to deliver differentiated returns as well as a strong value proposition to our customers. We now have 1,400 convenience partnership sites, an increase of 290 in 2018. As I previously shared with you, a main driver of the increase in our convenience partnership sites is our Reve2Go offer in Germany, where we now have 460 sites with this offer. If you look at the chart in the middle, you can see that these sites already deliver significantly higher earnings than an average industry site, and at full maturity, we expect that to be even higher. The success of our convenience partnership model is reflected in our non-fuel retail gross margin, which grew to more than $1.2 billion. In new markets, we continue to expand our footprint. In Mexico, we now have 440 BP sites with volumes already running at a level which makes this the fifth largest market in our portfolio. And we are also active in other new markets such as China and Indonesia. We anticipate that the earnings growth from our new markets will scale up from 2019 onwards. We also continue to grow our B2B fuels and AirBP businesses with AirBP's earnings growing by 10% in 2018. Turning to lubricants, which in 2018 delivered earnings of $1.3 billion with highly competitive return on sales of 18% in what was a challenging base oil environment. Indeed, our brands and differentiated position have enabled us to mitigate a large part of the recent base oil price increases, which over the last two years have impacted our cost of goods by more than $400 million. This business has significant growth potential with good exposure to growth markets and the growing premium segment. 
earnings from growth countries increased to 65% and premium lubricant volumes grew by 2% in 2018. In summary, our marketing businesses are making strong progress. We have demonstrated we can grow earnings at double-digit rates over the last four years while sustainably delivering attractive returns. We also have good and increasing exposure to growth markets. All of this underpins our confidence in further earnings growth to 2021 and beyond. Turning to manufacturing, we have an advantage portfolio that has consistently delivered underlying earnings growth. You can see from the chart, we have delivered $0.9 billion of growth since 2016. Delivery has been underpinned by our multi-year business improvement programs and strong operational performance. In refining, we continue to progress our key programs of reliability, efficiency, advantage feedstock, and commercial optimization. In 2018, refining availability was 95%, and we achieved record levels of throughput despite 2018 being a year of high turnaround activity. At Whiting, for the second consecutive year, availability was sustained at the highest level in more than 10 years, allowing us to capture the benefits of wider North American heavy crude oil differentials. And through our commercial optimization program, we delivered additional value from margin improvement initiatives, low carbon bioprocessing, and yield optimization. All of this supported a continued improvement equivalent to $1 per barrel in underlying net cash margins since 2016, bringing the total improvement to $2.7 per barrel since 2014. In petrochemicals, our operational performance, industry-leading technology, and efficiency gains have supported the delivery of continued underlying earnings growth and pre-tax returns of more than 20% in 2018. In fact, 2018 earnings of around $630 million was higher than 2017, despite the divestment of the SECO joint venture. Our technology remains a significant source of competitive advantage. In 2018, we secured six new licensing agreements out of the 10 PTA and PX licenses announced globally. And we recently signed a heads-off agreement with SOCAR to evaluate the creation of a joint venture to build and operate a world-class petrochemicals complex in Turkey. This facility would be the largest and most competitive integrated PTA, PX, and aromatic complex in the Western Hemisphere. In summary, across manufacturing, we delivered strong operational performance and continued earnings growth. 
Looking forward, our business improvement plans support more than $1 billion of additional earnings growth over the next five years that underpins delivery of our 2021 targets. In addition, our refining portfolio is well positioned for the upcoming IMO 2020 changes with around 47% of our yield being distillates and less than 3% being high sulfur fuel oil. This delivery potential and selective investments in an attractive and growing petrochemicals market gives me confidence in further earnings growth to 2021 and beyond. Now turning to the transition to a lower carbon and digitally enabled future. We have a clear strategy with a focused activity set. We are capturing the emerging material gross margin pools by building capability, strategic partnerships, collaborating with industry leaders and leveraging our venturing investments. We have many projects underway. The plans we have in this space will transform our business over time and are already beginning to create value for us now. To illustrate, let me share a few examples. In advanced mobility, we are developing new customer-centric solutions. Our electrification strategy is to provide the fastest and most convenient network of charging solutions. In 2018, we acquired ChargeMaster, the UK's largest electric vehicle charging company. Our ambition is to roll out more than 2,000 additional charging points, bringing the total to around 9,000 by 2021, including more than 400 new ultra-fast chargers at our retail forecourts in the UK. We have plans to scale up advanced mobility opportunities in focus countries such as UK, Germany and China. In bio and low carbon, advantage bio-based feedstocks and technologies will be key differentiators. We have made significant progress in innovative technology deployment, some of which are already generating value. In refining, we have expanded lower carbon bioprocessing to four of our refineries, which generated $70 million of margin in 2018. We have plans to expand this threefold by 2025. In petrochemicals, the circular economy is a major driver in the chemicals and plastics sector. We see chemical recycling as a game changer for the plastic circularity. We are developing technologies to lead the market in this space and looking to commercialize these technologies by 2025. Turning to digital. In customer and consumer experiences, BPME is our global customer engagement platform. It will be the portal to a suite of 
offers and services that will transform our retail offer and deliver an enhanced and personalized customer experience. It is already in six countries with over 1 million downloads and the number is increasing every month. In the UK, one of the first launch markets, users on average buy around three times more ultimate fuel than other customers. Across manufacturing, we are developing digital solutions focusing on three key areas, world-class productivity, plant availability, and optimized production, which are being implemented at our refineries in Kuvanana, Whiting, and Cherry Point, respectively. We are already using a range of technologies, including deployment of sensors, predictive analytics, and artificial intelligence. Through the use of digital technologies across our manufacturing portfolio, we expect to deliver $0.5 billion of earnings growth by 2025. As you can see, across these new business models and digital, we are already in action and creating value in this space. In summary, our strategy continues to deliver results. We have grown underlying earnings by $1.4 billion across marketing and manufacturing in the last two years. In 2018, we delivered nearly $7 billion of free cash flow with returns of 21%. This strong delivery puts us firmly on track to deliver our 2021 targets, primarily underpinned by in marketing, the continued expansion of our successful convenience partnership model, increasing growth market exposure, and the scale-up of new market earnings. In manufacturing, more than $1 billion of earnings growth in the next five years from our business improvement plans and across all our businesses' continued focus on efficiency and cost competitiveness. Looking beyond 2021, we expect continued earnings growth from these areas as well as significant growth potential from selective investments in an attractive and growing petrochemicals market and our new business models in advanced mobility, bio and low carbon, as well as digital. In closing, our strategy is clear. It is fit for now and fit for the future. Our delivery gives me great confidence and I am excited with the scale and breadth of opportunities I see. We have committed and capable people the know-how, innovation and partnerships to deliver this. Now let me pass you over to Bob. Thank you, Tufan. I would now like to take a moment to share our work across our low-carbon businesses, one of our strategic priorities. In alternative energy, we already have five significant and growing businesses, renewable fuels, renewable products, wind energy, solar energy, and biopower. And I want to highlight just a few examples of tangible work. 
a renewable fuels business which operates three world-scale sugarcane ethanol plants in Brazil, has increased production by 40% in five years through the innovative use of digital technologies as well as distinctive partnerships such as our JV with Copper Sucor. As I mentioned earlier, we are a year on from forming our strategic partnership with LightSource BP and have expanded activity from five countries to 10. We found new ways of leveraging LightSource's solar capability with BP's networks and resources to expand under a capital light framework. Growth has also been driven by a strong platform of partnerships, including in India, where LightSource BP and Everstone Capital have partnered to manage a fund focusing on new energy and conservation projects. In the U.S., our wind energy portfolio now has 1.8 gigawatts of gross capacity across 11 sites. We've been restructuring and redeploying capital to optimize the portfolio for long-term growth, including the power storage investment we made in partnership with Tesla. In renewable products, our Butamax joint venture with DuPont is progressing a plant upgrade in the U.S. that will commercialize our proprietary technology, converting sugars into an energy-rich bioproduct, bioisobutanol. In addition, alternative energy are developing new digital energy and low-carbon power and storage opportunities that offer attractive synergies with our existing portfolio. This includes the agreement with the government of Azerbaijan to jointly evaluate opportunities to develop renewable energy projects there. The dual energy challenge and accelerated adoption of digital technology is also creating new and very interesting business models. We're investing in new products, companies, and technologies which leverage our core knowledge and capabilities. We have a clear financial frame, investing around half a billion dollars annually across five focus areas. They are advanced mobility, bio and low-carbon products, carbon management, power and storage, and digital. These focus areas were selected for their potential to become material businesses in the future, and our capital commitment level is designed to provide the right balance between portfolio optionality, commercial scaling, and responsible investment. In addition to what Tufan described, we made big steps in 2018. For example... In carbon management, we invested in projects that generated more than 25 million tons of CO2-equivalent offsets last year, just in forestry projects. We invested in StoreDot, an ultra-fast charging battery developer, and VoltAware, a residential and commercial energy management system. And in fact, our overall ventures pipeline grew to more than 40 active investments with more than 200 partners. In addition, we continue to foster and expand relationships at an industry level to ensure future success. In November, the OGCI's billion-dollar investment vehicle, Climate Investments, announced the feasibility study for the UK's Clean Gas Project, a world-first in CCUS technology for capturing industrial and gas-fired power generation emissions. I believe we are in great shape to act where we see opportunity to make a positive difference in this transition. It's inspiring our people to look for new and better low-carbon ways of doing things while creating new value for our company. Well, thank you for listening over the past hour or so. Let me briefly summarize before we move to Q&A. Two years into our five-year plan, we've created a powerful track record of delivery, doing what we said we would do. This delivery is coming from across our growing businesses. It's seeing us invest with discipline into the growing 
upstream, both organically and through acquisitions where we believe we can create value. In the downstream, we're expanding our marketing business alongside a strong refining system with high availability. We're also investing into our existing alternative energy business and creating new low-carbon businesses. And all of this is delivering strong financial results. Many of you may have also seen our announcement last week supporting a proposed resolution from a group of investors called Climate Action 100+. This proposed resolution seeks additional corporate reporting in the context of the Paris Goals. It addresses BP's strategy, our metrics and targets, and how we evaluate material new capital investments. We've listened carefully to investor sentiment and opinion over the past few months on the role of BP in the energy transition, recognizing that views are wide-ranging. Together with recent engagement between BP and Climate Action 100+, this has enabled us to support the proposed transparency resolution. The board intends to provide more detail in the notice to shareholders ahead of our annual meeting in May. So in closing, we are building business momentum, delivering our strategic priorities, and are growing the business, all of which underpins our commitment to growing shareholder value. And I'm very optimistic about the future and the role that BP as a global energy company has to play in advancing the energy transition.